Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radomic. Berto was your host. Thank you so kindly for being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Welcome aboard our great people. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In the house, as well as May Wood, 82247, and Yvette Avery Herod. Buenos dias, buenas tardes, Yvette Avery Herod, as well. We have Parvet, 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 AVQ. Michael Rudden, Paul Fleming Sr. is in the house. Uh, let's see if I've missed anybody. If I've missed anybody, please forgive me. We have a great BRB computer needs a reboot. Switch into smartphone. Hey, that's a great thing. In these days, we have all these different options that we can work with, right? Smartphones, laptops, everything. Shiva Las Vegas is in the house as well as E2247. Anyway, I have an interview with uh, that I need to get started just about like now why this is the we uh, you know harris county is a bellwether county the most important law enforcement job is the district attorney for the for the county and the, she has drawn a challenge she has yes i'm going to have to fix that uh, i'm going to get rid of the the first one uh let me go ahead and get rid of that i'm sorry for that uh, if I can, that is. I think I can. I think I can. But anyway, so um, the district attorney, Kim Og, has drawn a challenger in the race because, again, uh, she's a Democrat. But uh, many sometimes wonder she went after a voter and, uh, you know, simply following the lead of whom again? Following the lead of Republicans and kind of acting like Republicans by putting this guy up to the grand jury of course the grand jury i believe no building but this sort of stuff costs money district attorney anyway there's a whole lot of other things so i'm going to go ahead and get that started now and then we'll take it on the other side because this is a very inner important interview not only for harris county harris county has a bellwether for the entire country check this out we'll then take it on the other side born and raised in harris county Sean grew up with outspoken activist parents who marched for civil rights in 1960s and instilled in him a powerful sense of empathy and justice. After his mom tragically succumbed to addiction, Sean stepped up and helped raise his younger siblings. He attended St. Thomas High School and then went on to graduate from the University of Houston with a bachelor's in American history and later a JD from the law set from the law center. He served as prosecutor with Harris County District Attorney Office for 11 years, including six years as a division supervisor of the office's vehicular crimes division, where he became a familiar face on local news as he personally responded to hundreds of fatal accidents scenes. Welcome aboard, Sean Thierry. Did I get that name right? It's it's tear. It's just like you cry no, with a random tear. With a random E on the end, that just made my third grade year real difficult because no one. I can imagine it. that it made it difficult, <laughs> but anyway, man, we 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 are honored to have you here. Um, look, you are challenging uh, what many think is a juggernaut here in Harris County, which is Kim Og. Before I get started, tell me a little bit about yourself, 
And then why this, did you decide to challenge your boss? Um, yeah, as, as you already said, born and raised here, uh, grew up um, just, you know, I, I'm a Houstonian. I've, I've lived here basically my whole life. I raised my four beautiful children with my wife here. Um, and more specifically, I have been a prosecutor for a number of years. Um, I love that office. I love its mission that, that is to see that justice is done in every case, which basically means doing the right thing. Um, that's not happening at the office right now. Um, we're, we're losing good experienced prosecutors, people in the system, both victims and defendants are being treated just unfairly simply because I want to get there before I, I want to get there, but I, I want to start this way this morning. One of the reasons I contacted you this morning is because of the article uh, that came out in the uh, Chronicle. And I, I think uh, by Jean Rice and Nina Sadja, uh, I think her name is Satija, Nina Satija. Now, being a district attorney is one of the most important jobs in a county, in a state, in the country. You have a lot of power. You can make somebody's life, you can break somebody's life, whether you win a case or not, right. that's the power of that office. And as such, whoever has that power has to use it wisely, diligently, honestly, and with the caution that it that it must have. I that's think right. anybody who reads that article in the Chronicle has to be very concerned that this one district attorney that we have in Harris County has likely stifled a lot because many people fear that if they do something that isn't in line with her beliefs or otherwise would get charged, whether successful or not. Your thoughts? No, that's exactly right. That's exactly what is happening. And the one thing that I would say that I disagree with in, in the way that you just couched that is the same way she thinks of it. It's wins and losses. That is not the way that a real district attorney thinks. A win in a case could just as easily be a dismissal or a diversion as opposed to a conviction. She looks at it as wins and losses. And if you do that as a district attorney, because your job is to do the right thing, whatever that may be, if you look at it that way, this is what you have. I think the parallels between what we just saw occur in Austin as the top law enforcement person in the state and the way that he behaved parallels very much to what we have right now as the district attorney here in Harris County. They both utilize that office for political retribution and personal vendettas instead of doing the right thing. And the other thing that that is not couched in that article, and I think that, that Jen did a great job in that article, but the thing that you don't see that, that is really difficult to see unless you've been inside the office is that she uses that same attack method and that same vindictiveness inside the office. And it is running away good, experienced prosecutors, and it is stifling any of the prosecutors that stay there to do the right thing in cases. Because just the way that she attacks the county judge and the district court judges and all the other judges and people that she doesn't agree with, 
She's doing that inside her own office. And that is one of the driving forces of the backlog that we are experiencing right now that's having the deadly effects inside the jail because people cannot get out and they can't have their cases resolved in a timely manner. Now, there was a 64-year-old guy uh, who apparently didn't know he was uh, that he couldn't vote at the time he hadn't gone through the steps. And she recently took him to the grand jury, wasted right. a lot of the county's money. Would you have done that? Absolutely not. And not only did she do that, the case had already been rejected a year before. She was trying to build it back up and represent a case that had already been looked at and rejected. So she not only investigated something based on the right wing conspiracies, she tried to reinvigorate it a year later, making this gentleman have to fight twice to do one of the most basic rights we have in this country. So earlier, I mentioned know. earlier, I mentioned that you can uh, cost citizens money and reputation as a D.A. You took objection to when I said win or loss. But when I say win and loss, it's not in the same context that you're saying it. I mean, a win as being you were you, you charged successfully, right. which which is not a win or loss thing. It's whether you were correct in that or not. Now, right. the, as it stands right now, we have a party, a Republican Party that currently attempts to stifle voting. Yes. Harris County is a county of freedom. Harris County is a county where people feel that they can get things. They don't have to fear going out there and vote. Right. How does it go over that a Democratic DA in a, a calculably blue county would go after someone, she doesn't know how he voted, of course, but he because of who he is, he was likely some of the same people right-wingers would like to stay home out of yep. fear to vote. What does that tell you about having a DA in Harris County who would be there potentially stifling votes? It, it, it's, I think, I think you, you bring it up exactly right to question whether or not that is in fact a Democrat sitting in that, in, in that position of power right now. When Greg Abbott, called into question the, the integrity of the 22 elections. Within a day, she had invited DPS into Harris County to, to begin those investigations. And this is exactly the, the outcome that the Republicans want. They want to stifle the voices that are in Harris County. You look at the attacks that they have made on Harris County specifically in the legislature by attacking only Harris County, by by condemning what Chris Hollis did as the election administrator. It, it just, it is all part of their game plan and they have a willing participant, if not someone driving the train, sitting in the DA's um, chair right now. Now uh, let's, so, so we understand now that the current district attorney, there are issues with this district attorney with regards to voting and, and many other issues. Let's talk about you. What's your position about on 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 bail? So uh, I think that in 2023, for us to tie your freedom pre-conviction to a monetary sum at all is antiquated and, and ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't care if you are someone who has 
no money or your Warren Buffett. The questions that need to be asked and decided on by a neutral magistrate is, are you a continuing danger to the society and are you a flight risk? And if the answer is no to those, then I want you to be out in the community being productive until your case can be heard. If when you are out on a whatever bail we are dealing with and you commit a new crime, then you've answered yes to one of those questions in my mind. And then I think the place is that you are held until your case can get resolved. So what we're doing now is not right. We've made steps. There's no question we've made steps in the last eight years, despite the current uh, position holders stance. We have made steps in making bail more equitable, but there are a lot more steps that we need to make um, on both ways. We need to hold people. We, we can't allow people to get out seven or eight times on violent crimes before they're held without bond. But we cannot have these people sitting in jail for two to three years on nonviolent offenses, awaiting a trial that, that quite frankly, is not going to come anytime soon because of the policies in the DA's office right now. That is the fair, humane, empathetic position to take, but it's a position that has political risks because of how many things can spin. How do you intend to make that case, which is the correct case based on any human standard, how do you make that not be demagogued into the first person let out that commits a crime? There is never going to be a perfect system. The, the, the district attorneys that work there every day make 100 decisions at a minimum per day that affect numerous people's lives, not just that next week of their lives, the rest of their lives. No person ever gets it right. What you have to be able to do in order to make long-term lasting changes is when mistakes are made, have the courage and the moral fortitude to stand up to the public and tell them we weren't right on this one. We are going to learn from it and continue to go forward. What the current position holder has never done in her political history is stand up and accept responsibility for a single decision made. If it is the wrong decision, she will run out her people to spin it and try to blame someone else. The only time you see her is when she's taking credit for other people's work. And so my my job, as I see it, would be to stand up and talk to the public and be transparent about the decision process we made for each one of those and let them know that we are we're human and we're a work in progress. A quick editorial. Anybody who just wants to lock people up without bond, forget that that simply means that a rich person irrespective of their mental state or otherwise, has the right to go out there and kill again. But the poor person doesn't have that right to, even if they're a good person that was accidentally charged, to do otherwise. Anybody who says otherwise is inhumane. On the other subject that I'd like to uh, cover, um, Sean, is uh, traffic stops, etc. We have where things like stickers and left turns, uh, simple things, that a police officer's time is not worth it based on their pay, based on other crimes that they could have been solving should be should be taken care of. Uh, would you attempt to institute uh, certain uh, certain policies that says, look, 
Uh, these things, if you see a car with a bad sticker, get the license plate and send them something in the mail. If somebody makes a left turn and you have it on your camera, get the license plate and throw it in the mail, as opposed to spending the time that an office with a an officer's body doing these things. These are innovative things that can actually change a society and make a society safer. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that it is a much larger conversation than just that. I think that we need huge real reform in possession of narcotics charges. The fact that in Texas, you're talking about making people felons for small amounts of narcotics leads to those types of stops leads to these types of interactions with the public that did always end in someone being either transported to jail or being in a physical violent confrontation with law enforcement. It erodes the trust that the public has in law enforcement and everything else that we all talk about all the time. So what I, what I want to do in a very large global scale is sit down with the heads of the departments and with the police unions and talk through the ways that we can minimize the negative interaction that law enforcement has with the general public. And, and let's be quite open and honest about this. The negative interactions they have are way skewed toward interactions with black and brown people and lower socioeconomic people. You don't see a lot of stickers, stops and left turn stops in River Oaks and car searches. What you do see is the Acres Homes and the Third Ward stops and things of that nature. And it leads to distrust and bad outcomes. And so I, I want to have a global conversation. We have 92 different law enforcement agencies in Harris County. We've got to communicate with all of them and know they, they need to know that there's an open door at the DA's office for us to have collaborative talks to do just what you spoke about and many more things that can minimize the negative interactions with law enforcement and let those few law enforcement officers that we have go out and truly protect the citizens. You know, the magical thing that you've just said there was collaborative talks. As the DA, you you are the one who enforces the laws with the judge, the jury, and the cops are the ones who bring things into the into the system. So it is a collaboration. Uh, we also know that uh, I, I'm glad you brought up the narcotics issue because, um, you know, I live in Kingwood, Texas. There are a whole lot of uh, folks driving around in cars here popping pills. Uh, no right. different than than some of the uh, no different than crack or other other things. Nobody here gets a record. A kid in South Park, a kid in Studi Wood, they right. uh, they 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 find with a little bit of crack or a little bit of whatever in their cars, and their entire lives change forever. And then society asks, how could that happen? Those degenerates down there. Well, my friend, <laughs> a lot of folks are doing a lot of things. Yep. And just haven't been caught or nobody looked at attempting to catch them. A good That's DA it. is necessary to be able to be uh, to make the right calls. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, let, let's 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 go back a little bit about bails, because mm -hmm. I see and, and you don't you don't have to commit yourself here on this issue. But I, I generally see the way the bail system work as a whole bunch of parasites that take advantage of the the least of us. Yep. Okay. And I also see that, you know, it, 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 I find it amazing 
that those people who complain when somebody get caught who have been released on bail are the same people who want to keep a great bail system that keeps these people flushed with cash. Right. Your thoughts on that? I, 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 I submit I released a statement last week, I believe, almost saying that exact thing that I will I have committed to not accept a dime from the bail bonds industry. They have for generations made money off the backs of poor and black and brown people who can't afford the bond that someone else can pay outright. They've got to pay 10% that's non-refundable and have these people not worry a, a bit about it and just take their 10% and then you get out. And it's, it, it's, it's just, it's so close to the indentured servitude of the 1600s. It's so close to, you know, just the, the debtors prisons that we had in England. The, the reason, one of the reasons this country was founded was because of things like this. And we're still going down the status quo. And I, I will commit to you right now that I will be in Austin testifying at every hearing that we can possibly testify to, to move Texas's bail bonds closer to the federal system, which is still not perfect, but it's certainly better than what we have here. And I want to get eventually to, I don't care how much money you have. I want someone to determine whether or not the person is a danger or a flight risk. If they are, they stay in jail. If they are, but it can be mitigated through Pre-trial conditions like a GPS monitor, like an ignition interlock for DWIs, like any of the other bond conditions that we could set, then I don't care how much money you have. Go get out of the jail until it's time for your day in court. You know, I, I told a few activists that I was going to be speaking to you and they said, Egberto, there's one thing that he needs to that you need to ask him. And that is a, a, about how many of the police officers or dealing with activists, but specifically uh, progressive activists uh, in in the Houston, in the in Harris County, uh, they they see a much different approach to the things that they are that they care for, the things that they know needs to be done around the county. How are you going to uh, react to uh, many times uh, bad calls by officers with these particular activists? Well, one thing that and this is going to be a relatively long answer, but one thing that that was designed and, and created here in Harris County, the very first one in the in the country was a 24 hour intake system. So in Harris County, since the 70s, no officer can arrest anyone without calling and speaking to a district attorney and getting a name and having that assistant district attorney say yes or no to a charge. What has happened in the last six years? under this current administration is that there's been a whole overhaul of intake. So you no longer have experienced good prosecutors working that job. That's going to change with me. And what is going to change additionally is those good and experienced prosecutors are going to understand because the only ones I'm going to bring in and train are people that, that think like me. They are going to be able to determine that whatever interaction is had either didn't or did rise to the level of a crime, but that's not where you have to stop, right? Then you have to say, is this the right thing to do? Because in everything that a prosecutor does, is it the right thing? So 
that is going to be something that if and when it does happen, I think the George Floyd protests are a, a very good example of some negative. Now, we weren't anywhere near as bad as some communities. Yes, in absolutely. Yes. But there was some negative interaction. And so we've got to take into account all of those things. And my people and I will be doing that. And and I think secondarily, it is going to speak to the police, going to roll calls, going and informing them. Here's my expectation as the top law enforcement official. I know your job and how difficult it is, but here's my expectation. And again, being collaborative and transparent in what I expect and what charges will and won't be accepted are going to reduce those kind of interactions for the activists who, I I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear. I believe in so much of what they're doing and I want to protect them and give them the, the first amendment rights that have created what we have today. So if I can alleviate any of their fears today, I want to, but I also, it's, it's a pro it's a process and one that I am committed to doing. Well, uh, Sean, look, I appreciate your time. It, it, it's about that time now. Uh, I ask one question at the end of every conversation. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? <laughs> that is the best reporter question ever. Um, just that I, I truly want the public to be aware of what's going on in that office and, and the way that that office could and should be. We have a commissioner's court that is, that, that's incredible. I mean, the, the strength of Judge Hidalgo, that, that what she's going through right now and her ability to be transparent with that, Commissioner Garcia, Commissioner Ellis, Commissioner Briones, we have such a great nucleus of leadership there. The district court judges in the criminal side and the civil side, the county judges, We've got the apparatus right now to be the the shining example of what progressive, empathetic government could and should look like. We just have one rogue agent. And if we can remove her, then we can go forward doing what this county and this population truly want, which is to be the best in the country. Sean Terry, candidate for district attorney of Harris County. Thank you so kindly for uh, this interview. Good luck in your work. And and to end, I want to say something. The district attorney is one of the most powerful positions in the county. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. We have to make sure that whoever, whomever is elected isn't one in which uh, cold vendettas or anything of that sort, one who really cares about the people and one who understands that uh, not because a law says a particular thing, does it always have to do specifically on any particular case something? Thank you so kindly for the interview. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Absolutely so, folks. Absolutely so. I hope you enjoyed that. Anyway, folks, uh, we have a, a star in our midst, uh, and that is, of course, Yvette Avery Herod. And I pulled up something off the, the those interwebs, you know, uh, that she starred on TV recently. So, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is not, it's not recently, but I still want to show it. It's some of the things that 
UPS drivers have to go through. Check this out. Safety as they deliver packages. Yeah, many have signed a petition now demanding something be done. Fox has Denise Dillon talk to drivers who've had some frightening experiences. They tell me drivers have been shot at over packages. Now they want measures in place to keep them safe. Several months ago, she had a oh. terrifying experience while delivering packages. I had to hide behind a customer's car because guns were being pulled on another person. After that, Avery, who is also a union steward, started a petition calling attention to safety issues drivers face. Besides dogs and dogs and other things, we have so many things that are out here that you never think about when you order a package. I'm definitely fearful. I mean, the area that I work in, you got to keep your head on swivel. Last week, this driver was shot at after dropping off a package. My customer thought I stole some of his package. They shot at the truck and then actually got a bullet hole in the window and I seen he had a gun. And my first instinct was to get up out of here. More than 1,800 people have signed the petition. Avery is hoping it will attract enough attention that the union and UPS will sit down and come to an agreement about what safety measures should be in place. Avery says drivers have suggested various things, from permission to carry a weapon, to having a panic button that will immediately alert the company. We contacted UPS and were told, the safety of our employees is UPS's highest priority. Our drivers are trained to be aware of their surroundings at all times. And all right, guys, I'm sorry. I don't understand why the volume didn't work on this one so i am putting this one under advisement i just wanted to give our girl uh her kudos for what she has had to go through uh as a ups driver i don't know why i just went to, i just processed it and i said let me try to process it and get it up and running for you guys so you could hear it i am so sorry forgive me for not having it done but I, again, it was one of those things where I tried. Anyhow, anyhow, anyway, we'll play it tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's what we'll do. Anyhow, I have another video here that's important, and let's see, uh, let's see what happens. With my speaker. Okay, uh, let let's do this again. All right. Anyway, look, uh, the next subject that I wanted to cover has to do with, uh, remember a few days ago, I said that we should not fear AI. That AI is good for all of us and what it should mean. You know, uh, you know right now, the un union workers are trying to fight for a four-day work week and people are going crazy. They don't want to work a four-day work week and a 40% increase in wages. And I'm saying, what's wrong with that? I think it is perfect. I think that is perfect. And let's let's on. First of all, let me let you listen to Bernie. Imagine Bernie, an older guy. He gets it. Why is it that all of us don't get what AI and robotics means to us? I want you to listen to Brother Sanders because what he gets is that AI is something that we all created because our tax dollars went into all the universities and researchers that produced it. The body of knowledge that it has comes from all of us 
because all of us have data on the internet that it it grabs its intellect from. That's what AI is. And as such, it's all, all of us should benefit from the efficiencies created by AI, not the corporate executives who couldn't write a basic program or a Fortran program or an assembly language program or a C, C++ program or a Python program. They would know what to do with it. Yet currently the way our system is, they're the ones who get the spoils, not the creators of AI. That must change. And you know who sees it? Brother Bernie. So let's listen to what Bernie has to say there. This push um, from the UAW for a four-day work week, is that a negotiating tactic? Or do you see that as the future of labor in the U.S., a four-day work week? Well, I'll tell you what I think. And thanks for raising that question, Jake. We are looking at an explosion in this country of artificial intelligence and robotics. And that means that the average worker is going to be much more productive. Worker productivity is going to increase significantly. The question as a nation that we have got to ask ourselves is who is going to benefit from that increased productivity? Is all of that new income and wealth being created by worker productivity going to go to the people on top or are workers going to benefit? So right now, in my view, I happen to believe that as a nation, we should begin a serious discussion, and the UAW is doing that, about substantially lowering the work week. People in America are stressed out for a dozen different reasons. And that's one of the reasons why life expectancy in our country is actually in decline. People are overwhelmed. They got to take care of their kids. They got to worry about health care. They got to worry about housing. They're worried. It seems to me that if new technology is going to make us a more productive society, the benefits should go to the workers. And it would be an extraordinary thing to see people have more time to be able to spend uh, with their kids, with their families, to be able to do more in cultural activities, get a better education. So the idea of using, making sure that artificial intelligence robotics benefits us all, just not the people on top, is something absolutely we need to be discussing. And that is the answer. Robotics and AI shouldn't benefit the executives at all. They don't do anything. They just move paper and they kind of make, you know, connect the dots. That's what they do. It's one of the jobs in the entire societal framework. So what we're talking about here is that for the for all of us who all of us, if you're listening to this right now, you are partially responsible for AI. You are partially responsible for robotics. So when that plant, instead of hiring 5000 people are going to hire now 1000 people and then the robots, which can work 24 seven nonstop, it doesn't need a breakfast break, a pee break or any kind of breaks like that. Great. That should mean you should be able to spend more time with your daughter, with your son, with your family. It gives you that much more time. AI does. Robotics does. Right? And if we as a society looked, looked at what we as a society created and not allow the parasites on top, I repeat, not allow the parasites on top to monopolize 
on that efficiency we all created. And that's why it's going to take laws, not capitalism. Capitalism says, I take the spoils. I am the one who has capital. I take the spoils. You are just a worker. I lay you off. And if you notice, capitalism is nothing more than antiseptic slavery, right? And if you doubt it, look at Eric and Eric's answers. Here we are. We just heard Bernie explain that if we all created an increase in productivity, we should all be able to work less and share in the spoils. To which Eric answers, more unemployment coming thanks to AI. Okay, let's step one at a time, Eric. Eric, AI belongs to all of us and it should allow us to all work, but work less. So here's a, here is your marching orders, my brothers and my sisters. You have marching orders. Your marching orders is to listen to when somebody like Eric speaks about what he thinks AI is going to do and educate them and tell them you don't have to remain enslaved mentally. You can demand that laws are passed that does not permit a capitalist system who thinks only capital matters. We ought to remember that. And that is what we are going to be pushing going forward. On the, on the phone with us again is our brother, Ray. Talk to me, Ray. Hey, hey, Egberto. I feel like this is my private line. But anyway. It is uh, your private. Listen, this line belongs to every single PDR Posse member of which you are, my brother. Talk to me. Yeah, um, I actually had a grievance uh and uh, it's in uh, in reference to what you were saying. So, uh, with my company that I work for, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an uh, at home phone operator, and mm-hmm. you know, basically, you know, there was a time when when I came in, the uh, the managers would ask you, you know, what is the schedule that would work for you? Right. And we would work that schedule, and it would usually be something that would garner or, or nourish a work-life balance. Right. But then when the company was taken over by the corporation right. and there was changes made to the scheduling system, the scheduling had been handed over to essentially an AI system, which mm-hmm. basically doesn't account anything as far as what the person desire right. is to you know, have that schedule. It just accounts for, well, the system needs a person in that system, a person right. needs to be on shift at that time. It doesn't matter what their plans are, what they have going on. It just matters what the system needs. Right. And it's very sickening because, you know, like you say, antiseptic, antiseptic slavery, because at some point a person just feels like they're a cog in the wheel that just needs to keep on spinning like a hamster, you know, in order to keep the light bulb running. And, and I, me, I'm sick of it. I'm sick Ray, of let me, this, Ray this I, I want to interrupt you there for one reason, because uh, as, a, as a software engineer, as somebody who understands this kind of stuff on the internals, right? And it goes like this, BS right. in, BS out. What do I mean? AI will do what its master tell it to do. And remember, we are we are still we tell AI 
how to program. Let's give an example. You said that when the, when AI took over, what AI tries to do is be efficient, not for you, the worker, but be efficient, efficient to maximize the profits of the corporations. That's how that AI is being programmed. In other words, if we have a thousand bodies and we have X amount of calls that are coming in every every hour, this is how many people we need at these stations so that the queue would not get too large. That's all they give us input to that AI system. However, if they went ahead and say within that AI system, which it has infinite uh, calculative power, they went ahead and say, but employee number one can only work within these hours. Employee number two can only work within these hours and, and, and has the full picture of its entire employment base. Then that AI system would then say, by the way, uh, based on the current configuration of all our employees and what they want to work, we may need to hire X amount more people in these particular domains because the AI system would be smart enough to understand how to keep you happy and and also tell the the, per, the, the, the scheduler, if you will, how to make sure uh, that we can still answer the calls by bringing more people into the fold. So, I mean, it, the problem is never AI. The problem is always the maximization of profits at, at the lowest cost for the capitalists. When we remove that and, and go ahead and say AI will have all the inputs, not just the inputs that favor the capitalists, but the inputs that favor your schedule, your lifestyle, etc. And guess what? AI makes it possible to do it better than a scheduler that's a human being because they can look at several factors at the same time. So, uh, Ray, it's not that AI is bad. It's that the people... Oh, no, I'm, I'm with you, bro. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually saying, like, the AI is not what I have a problem with. The AI right. is the fact that they use it they use it as a crutch. There you are, right? We, yeah, you nailed it. You they nailed use it as it. a crutch to say we can't set the schedules the way the employees want and because the AI won't allow it. Brother, and that's you an excuse, nailed it. Like you say, you, you nailed BSN, it. BSN. You nailed it. You nailed it. You nailed it. That's exactly right. And that is what we have to get around, brother. In other words, we can't let them fool us into believing that somehow because of AI, we are forced to do X, Y, Z. No, we give the inputs to AI and we tell AI what things are supposed to do. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's what it's like. So, brother, uh, with our knowledge, we have to be telling this to everybody else because believe it or not. Uh, if you listen to, if you even look at some of the people in the room, right, they are still succumbing to the to the fallacy that uh, having AI is inherently bad for us. It's not. AI means that we should work less for the same pay because we have our composite knowledge out there doing the work that we would other otherwise have to do. But we have to change the mindset from being antiseptically enslaved into demanding our worth. And that's the difference, uh, Ray. That's the difference. And you are, I know you're there. I couldn't there. say it no better myself. You are there, brother. You are there. We got to spread the word. 
I'm trying, Egberto. It's like talking to a bunch of bowling ball heads. They, <laughs> they, they're a little smooth in the brain, and they don't have the wrinkles to retain the knowledge. But, but I'm, you, I'm trying to work with them, and let, let I, me tell I appreciate you what, everything you're doing. Ray, let me tell you something else, though, right? What what a lot of us uh, need to do is it's like I have some of the people in the room here, right? I can do one of two things. I can let their negativity or their 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 uh, their they're not wanting to bend into reality. I can use that as a crutch, or I can use that to educate others. And so when you call in with this information. You have educated others. When they say something and we have to refute it, we have educated others. So we are doing we are doing the work. You are doing the work. The posse is doing the work. Even those that seem to be immutable, they are also doing the work. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's that's what we yeah, have to like do. Brother Brian. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Exactly. He gives he gives so much opportunity to educate the masses and so much opportunity. So to keep you keep hanging in there, brother. All right. And shout out to the to the president of the PDR Posse, uh, brother Johnny. I always appreciate hearing him because he brings the hot fire whenever he's talking. Yes, he I, does. I would, I would, he would get my vote for real. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he he's on point all the time, and he's on point. He's on point, absolutely, sir. Thank you, Ray. Like a vaccine needle. I right, there you go. <laughs> you have a good one, Ray. You as well, brother. Take care. Take care, brother. Peace. All right, let's see. I saw something here that I wanted to read. Uh, it says, uh, "Parvet, parvet, parvet." Uh, ABC News exclusive, one of former President Trump's closest aides has told federal investigators that Trump allegedly wrote notes and to-do lists on the back of classified documents. Sources tell ABC John Carl reports on what allegedly uh, says Trump told her about the seized boxes. Amazing. But I, I read that. Uh, Mike C. Sexes, Bridge MCP, AI will soon take the place of writers and content creators, actual production. There is AI art in Etsy. People are using it to make money. There are people in college using AI to write their essays while professors are having to find other AI counter software to detect cheating. All right, let me tell you something about AI. It's See, this is where the fallacy comes in. I write several blogs every day. I am now using AI uh, tools to help me build my um, to help me build my. Hey, welcome, Bruce, to help me build my one minute videos that I do on TikTok. I also use it to help me with my blogs now, whereas I could only do one blog, three blogs or whatever. I can do a, and a hell of a lot more blogs. Because here's the deal. AI is not a magic bullet, even about writing essays. If you go ahead and think you are going to plug in uh, uh, and add something to AI and it's going to get you an essay that is so, so great that you can use. I can read a, an article and say, ah, that looks like it was generated by ChatGPT. But my articles, what I may use uh, ChatGPT and say, hey, I want an outline that says this or whatever, but I have to have the knowledge base to be able to use that accurately to create a blog that makes sense. You know, I, I'm on several other uh, writing platforms, Medium, Substack, and a person wrote to me and said, have you noticed that XYZ actually comes out? And it really seems like they're repeating the same thing. And he said, Egberto, do you think that is 
ChatGPT or one of these other technologies, like uh, I don't remember the name of the other one, Brand or Brand or Bread or whatever it's called. And I'm like, yeah, I see a lot of people using these technologies, but it's not giving you the soul of what you're wanting to read. Now, I just uh, wrote an article and it was probably 35% generated by ChatGPT. Okay. And I looked at it and I said, okay, chat GPT, you got that wrong. You would have, I would have expressed this this way. This is what I want to say from a progressive standpoint and X, Y, Z, because it's no different than me going to all the different sources, looking it up, cutting and pasting or reinterpreting what I've cut and paste into something. There's nothing wrong with that. The thing about it is using it intelligently, intelligently, right? So, I mean, um, there's nothing to fear with AI. Uh, brother, brother Bernie Sanders is correct. It's all in how we use things now. In the past, we didn't have the internet. So you used to have to go to a library, open several encyclopedias and look things up. Now you go ahead and you put a link to something and, and, and we all say, I did the research and I go ahead and I pull several links. Now, it's no different. It's no different. So. It's important, folks, for us not to buy into the hype. Most of the hype comes from people who don't have the knowledge themselves of AI or all the things that it can do. Let me tell you something else that I did the other day, and I, I wanted to make a program out of it. I had a, vid, uh, um, a, a picture with a house in it, and I wanted to remove the – and I said, wow. The, the 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 prompt came up and said, "Do you know you can kind of use AI to modify your 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 document, your your um, picture?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I would love to do that." Thank you, Bridge MCP. This support is brought to you by Computer Scientist IT Programming. Thank you for using it and not giving us credit. Oh, thank you so kindly, Bridge MCP, for your for your super chat. But I, but I went ahead and I took my picture, took out one kind of house, tell it I wanted a red house instead, and it did all of that within, uh, what is it called? Post, not PostScript, um, Photoshop. Photoshop has AI now. Okay? So I said, to, I, I said wow, that means now that a lot of graphics artists and all these kind of guys are going to be without employment. And then I said, no, that's not what it means. It means we can have more graphic artists, right? All working a small amount of time and spending more time with their families. And isn't that family values? Because when you get AI to modify things, AI is not going to do it necessarily the way you want to do it. I told it, put some mountains here and it put some mountains. Here. I wasn't happy with the mountains, So I played around with it. So instead of drawing mountains or looking for pictures with those mountains, I can, me and AI can have a dialogue to do these different things. When I'm writing a blog, I can use AI and say, you know what? I know that, let's say Kim Og is going to do X, Y, Z. I, put, I can tell AI to tell me a little bit about what she did X, Y, Z. AI may come back and say, I don't have any information on this, but she did X, Y, Z. And I'm like, okay, AI, let's go ahead and do this. And AI comes back and say, yeah, it's no different than me going ahead and doing a Google search and doing all these things. It's important for us not to fear this stuff, to use it as exactly what it is, 
a tool and a tool that can make the short the week shorter and a tool that can say instead of having a five-day work week, we can also have a three-day work week. I'm looking for the time that we can have a three-day work week because in those those things, what you start to get is overlaps, right? One crew comes in, it overlaps with another crew, it overlaps with another crew, and you move on like that. And you get to spend more time with your daughter, your son, your mother, your grandmother. You get to do all these things now. All these things. But we have to create laws, E2247. We must create laws that protect People protect that money from going to the slackers, to the parasites on top. Okay, let's say Daniel says, how do you know, Egberto, that AI will be benevolent? There's nothing about AI being benevolent or not. Again, that's why I said AI can't stand on its own. It needs human beings. In other words, you got to go in there and, and when AI comes back with something for you, you decide if you want to use it or not. You decide if it's right or wrong. And how do you decide if it's right or wrong? That's where the humanity comes in. All right, let's see. Robert Davenport is in the house. How are you doing, Robert? Great to see you here as well. Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain made it in. Uh, let's see who else made it in that I missed. If I missed you, forgive me. Uh, Eric to Egberto, Utopia, three days working. Good luck. Guess that the AI will mow lawns and build how Actually, believe it or not, that's in the works. Yes. Robotics, and a Robotics is a form of AI. And yes, eventually that will occur as well. Yes. It's not a foolish statement you just made, Eric. It's a true statement. That will eventually happen as well. In fact, they're already vacuuming your home. I have one other piece I want to show, but I, I don't have the time to show it right now uh, with Nicole Wallace. But I wanted to thank you guys for being here. I want to remind you that, look, there's nothing to fear about AI. We have a lot of work to do. Let's see. I don't know if all AI-generated free time will be beneficial. And Idle Mind is a devil's workshop. Again, here's the deal, Lee. I, actually, there's some truth to what you're saying there. When you don't have anything to do, a lot of people start doing drugs and all that kind of stuff, right? You're right about that, Lee. But let me give you a converse. Uh, if we have good schools now, and these good schools really give you values, right? Most people would do just fine. I remember growing up, my par I had the best parents. They were just regular middle class folk, right? And I know all most of the folks that I grew up with is the same. And we all did as a community. Arcoiris, where I'm from, Rainbow City, where I'm from, right? The, 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 the vast majority of that group, we we're a close-knit group of small country, small communities, that group came over here to the United States, and we can call all of them out. And they are all doing great things. That didn't happen out of the blue. That happened because of civics. Thank you, Robert Davenport. He says, just remember the people telling you AI is going to uh, rule us are the same one who says Obamacare was going to take over our medical system. Wrong then, and they're still wrong now. You're so right, Robert Davenport. And thank you for that super chat. Really appreciate you. Really appreciate you. Egberto, that's a great point about rumbas, robotic cleaners. Some features of life will be automated, and that's coming sooner than most expect. Exactly right. So I, I, I got to get out of here. I just want to ask you guys to support the program. Please go ahead and go to politicsunright.com slash support politicsunright.com slash support. I'm pulling it up right now to put it into the thing, politicsunright.com uh, slash support right there. 
And please subscribe to our newsletter. We haven't gotten any subscriptions in the last few days. We need about 1,000 subscriptions, folks. It's, it's, it's inexpensive. Uh, please go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletters. Our star, our, our economic stars of the day is Bridge MCP and Robert Davenport. Thank you so kindly for the super chat that you have laid on us today. Uh, you guys are wonder. All of you are wonderful as usual. I uh, thank you that you guys are special. Um, let's go ahead and support the newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. Hey, a coffee a month for somebody that's doing doing the work. Let 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 let's let's do it. And if you want to do some other form of support, please go to politicsandright.com slash support. Jay Ray says the sad part of our society is that people who fear change that would actually make their lives better. And and again, Ray, that is where we come in. We have to work on that. That's our job. That's a PDR Passi's job. But he says, thanks for the show. I think we made some agreements today. Thanks, Egberto. Give Ashley my love. She's working so hard. I know. And guess what, uh, Brie? She is messed up today because she did. The, the, the trainer worked her so hard. Everything is sore, but she's enjoying it. Anyway, folks, I want to thank you guys for everything. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.